Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I used to know this guy. He truly was. I mean, he's a rough, tough, cowboy, rancher kind of dude. I mean, he was, he was all man. He was deathly afraid of chickens. He couldn't even look at the picture of a chicken. In a magazine or whatever, a picture of a chicken, would, he would just freak out. Fear. It's a real thing. All of us have experienced fear at different times, but what happens when fear affects our calling as a follower of Jesus? And more importantly, what can we see happen without fear? What about the fears that we have at the idea of of following this God and living life the way He has asked us to live? What would it look like if we did not have fear in our life as a follower of Jesus Christ. If I could walk out into the world, engage with the people I engage with, the situations I experience, whatever, if I could do that without fear, what would that look like? Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In John chapter 18, we find the story of Jesus' arrest and trial. Obviously, the story is about Jesus and His victory through the fulfillment of His purpose in coming. But also woven into the story is the Apostle Peter and his failing due to fear. By comparing the actions of Jesus to Peter's actions, we're going to discover just exactly what all of us can accomplish without fear. What is it about following Jesus Christ that scares you? Now here's Pastor Clay. You heard about this new show, The Kings of Pain? Y'all heard about this show on History Channel? I don't think it's actually debuted yet, I'm not sure. But uh, I know it's, it's getting ready. Any, any y'all, have y'all heard of the Kings of Pain? The show is about these two idiots that... <laughs> sorry, that, that, that didn't sound too Jesus-like, did it? The show is about these two not-so-smart guys that go all over the world finding animals, creatures, reptiles, snakes, insects, creepy, crawly things, finding anything they can, and then proceeding to let whatever that thing is bite them. On purpose. Because they are on a quest to discover what is the most painful bite or sting in the world. I can't, I I did, I watched it one time, but I cannot even watch the trailer anymore. Because in the trailer, it it shows this this guy just just sticking his arm down, just aggravating this gigantic python snake that just latches onto his arm, just... So I, I, I'm not going to be watching that show. Uh, one, because I, I do not enjoy pain, and, and I do not enjoy seeing others in pain. But I'm also not going to be watching that show because among the various reptiles and animals and creepy crawly things and whatever, among all the things that I've seen in the trailer that they allow to bite them is a tarantula. And... Um, if you don't know this uh, about me, I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders. I can't stand to look at spiders. I will scream like a little girl at the sight of spiders. I used to know this guy. I mean, he was a, he was a truly was. I mean, he's a rough, tough, cowboy, rancher kind of dude. I mean, he was, he was all man. He was deathly afraid of chickens. He couldn't even look at the picture of a chicken. In a magazine or whatever, a picture of a chicken, would, he would just freak out. 
But you know, I guess we've all got our fears, right? We've got all, all got our things in life that, that we're afraid of. When it comes to following Jesus Christ, what about the fears that we have in that? What about the fears at the, at the idea of, of, of following this God and living life the way He has asked us to live, of, of experiencing what He has asked us to experience, which is not always pleasant, is it? But what is it about following Jesus Christ that scares you or me? I want to talk about that some uh, today. As kind of the last message before we leave here today, I wanted to talk about it uh, because, because I, I want us to, to talk about openly about what fears we may have, but more importantly, what would it look like if we did not have fear in our life as a follower of Jesus Christ? What would my life look like if I, if I, could, if I could walk out into the world uh, in, engage with the people I engage with, the situations I in, experience, the whatever. If I can do that without fear, what would that look like? If you brought a copy of God's Word with you, open it to John chapter eighteen. John eighteen. It might be a hard copy, like uh, like I carry. It might be digital, iPad, phone. The text is up on the screen also uh, to help you. But if you brought a copy of God's Word, open it to John chapter 18. And we'll look at just a couple of ideas this morning before we go to the table, uh, to, this, to this representation of His body broken, His blood shed. And before we celebrate a baptism of three individuals who have committed their life to Jesus Christ. John chapter 18. We're gonna, here's the idea we're going to start with today. Get a hold of this idea right here. Without fear, we can do what needs to be done. I wonder if I could. Could I get you all to say that with me out loud right now? Without fear, we can do what needs to be done. Now let me read it to you. Uh, John chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden in which he entered with his disciples. Now Judas also, who was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Judas then, having received the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They said to him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. So when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. What a strange reaction. Therefore, he again asked them, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus said, I told you that I am he. If, so if you seek me, let these go their way to fulfill the word which he had spoke of those whom you have given me. I lost not one. That was in Jesus' high priestly prayer back just in chapter 17. Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me. Shall I not drink it? The cup 
of course, to which Jesus is referring is his death on the cross. Now, here in John 18, now just a few hours away. I don't have time to deal with it in too much detail today, but I did want to point out to you that even in Jesus' response to those who had come to arrest him, even in his response to them, he is displaying who he is. He is displaying his deity. You, you may have noticed uh, as, as the soldiers and the gang and the crowd, if they all come in and, and, they, and Jesus asked them, who are you looking for? And they said, we're, we're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, you, and, he, and he responds. You may have noticed in verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 8 in the text, you may notice that the word he is in italics, meaning that that he was not in the original text. It was not in the original Greek manuscripts. The translators added it because it was implied, and usually that's absolutely fine. But in this case, I think we actually miss something by adding that he in there. You see, what Jesus actually responded, whom do you seek? Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus' actual response was, I am. Now, if you know the story, you may remember from Exodus chapter 3 that I am is the very name of God. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is, is out just doing his thing. He's out there in the wilderness somewhere attending uh, his father-in-law's flock. The guy's working for his father-in-law. That's how, how, how bad it is. He's out there work, working for his father-in-law. And God comes to Moses out in the wilderness, and he tells him that he's going to send him back to Egypt, that place where he grew up. You know that story? That place where he grew up and had fled. He says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you can tell Pharaoh to let my people go. They've been, the, the Jews have been 400 years in slavery. So you're going to go back. You're going to be uh, my emissary. You're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses' response in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, here's what we find. Then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel. He wasn't real thrilled about it, by the way, if you read the whole story. He's not sure he's up for this. I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now, they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So I am is the very name of God. And here's what I'm saying to you this morning, that the, that, that the very person of God spoke the name of God and the power of God caused the enemies of God to fall down, fall back, fall on their faces to retreat from him. You see, now it makes perfect sense. Oh, that's why they fell down, because there's power in the name of God. That's what I'm saying to you. And I'm also saying this to you while I'm here. That same power, that same power of God is available to the people of God for the purposes of God today to accomplish the purposes that he desires to do. The same God who, whose name put the enemies on their heel in Gethsemane is the same God whose name can put the enemy on his heels in Raleigh. And in your life, the same God. And without fear, it's possible to do what we have been called to do. Now, I guess, you know, in some sense, fear sometimes can actually be a motivator, can it? Like a story that I read about a little boy named David. A little boy named David uh, received a parrot for his birthday one year. He was thrilled. 
got a talking parrot. Unfortunately, David's parrot was just he just had a he just had a sorry attitude. He was just he was just ornery and angry, he blessed everybody out and told everybody off and belittled everybody and he just he just had, just had this terrible attitude about life in in general and 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 David did everything he could, you know, he, he tried to speak nice, uh, kind words to him, he, he played soft music anytime he could for the parrot, anything that he thought might help change the parrot's attitude, but nothing seemed to help, nothing seemed to make any difference, and so one day, just in absolute frustration, because the, the parrot was just on a tirade, man, he was just going off, he was just cussing everybody out, telling everybody off, and, and talk, telling David how sorry he was, just all, he's just going off on a tirade, and David, just in a moment of desperation and frustration, grabbed the parrot, opened the freezer door, and stuck him in the freezer, closed the door, and when he did so, he hears this bunch of, don't tell Peter, by the way, about, about that happening, but, but he, he closed the door, and, and, and for a few minutes, he hears this clamoring, screaming, kicking, the parrot's just going crazy in there in the freezer, and then, all of a sudden, it just becomes absolutely silent. Well, you know, naturally, David's afraid that he has, he has injured this parrot, his parrot, and, and so he, he opens the freezer door, and as soon as he opens the freezer door, the parrot calmly walks out, walks onto David's arm, and says, David, I'm very sorry for the attitude that I've had towards you and towards others. I, I want to ask you to forgive me for my attitude and for my behavior. And I promise to change both my attitude and my behavior. Well, David was absolutely astounded at the change in this parrot. And he was just about to ask the parrot what brought about the change when the parrot continued and said, may I ask, what did the chicken do? So, so I guess fear can be a motivator, but listen to me. Fear can also be an inhibitor. Fear can, can keep you from accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish in your life. Fear can keep you from moving forward in these, in these purposes and plans as, as, a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Fear of the unknown, fear of, of doubt, fear of what others may think, fear of, you fill in the blank, it's a whole other thing. But fear can keep you from doing what God would desire for you to do. Now, let's, let's compare Jesus, because my point about this is Jesus could, could do this with, without fear because, because he knew he was in the Father's will. He's doing exactly what God wanted to do. Now, let's compare Jesus and his reacting to the situation, to Peter's. We know from, uh, from other gospel accounts that Peter was there in the garden with the other disciples. We know that Jesus had asked Peter and the other disciples to be praying, and Jesus was praying, but we know that, that Peter and the other disciples were, were asleep. Jesus was praying, Peter was snoring. Now, there's a whole lesson in there about the importance of spiritual alertness, being on the alert, knowing that, as Peter says, your enemy uh, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's a whole other thing in there about, about being spiritually alert. But that, that's not for today. But, P, but Jesus is praying, uh, Peter is sleeping. And the crowd comes in, and, and from Luke's account, we know the crowd comes in, and, and Peter, uh, in this in this stupor as he's asleep he 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 wakes up he jumps up and he messes up because he pulls out his sword and he just starts he just starts swinging for the fences swinging for the fences baby 
He's just swinging away. And listen, here's what I want you to understand. Peter's not fighting because he's brave. Peter's fighting because he's afraid. He's afraid. He's, he's, he's not aware. He's not thinking. He's not doing. And he just wakes up and hears this crowd and he, he just reacts. You see, that's what fear will do. Fear will cause you to do that. Here, I, I want to I give you a, a little something that maybe you can remember this by. Fear will cause you to react in your flesh instead of resting in your faith. That's exactly what fear will do in your life. To, to make a decision uh, about a life situation, uh, 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 whatever it might be, to make a decision out of fear, reacting in the flesh instead of walking by faith. And what I'm saying to you this morning, and we'll go on, is that if you will walk by faith and not by sight, you will see God do some amazing things in your life. Fear will cause you. Faith will cause you to do something else. Listen, you and I, corporately as a church, have to understand the same thing is true. That we have been given this command to, to go out into this world. We have been, just to remind you, given our marching orders. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? Isaiah responds, Here am I, send me. That's a man without fear. In that moment. Maybe you know this one. Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples. Of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I command you. And lo I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. One more. We could look at plenty more. But one more. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And even to the remotest parts of the earth. Around here, we, we paraphrase that, here, there, and everywhere. That is the calling of the follower of Jesus Christ. And, and to, to accomplish that, to do what God has called us to do, we have to understand that fear has to be removed from the equation. And only God's power can remove his fear. It's not in you, it's not in me, to, to just eliminate fear from our lives, but in the power of God, trusting in him, in each and every situation of your life, you can do just that. Here's one other idea uh, this morning. Without fear, we can be who we are called to be. Let me try and uh, read it here for you. Picking it up in verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the commander of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so, he was another, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest. That disciple was John. And he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. And then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You're not also one of... This man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold. And they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. And the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. 
Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? Second time. He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off. Whoops. Funny how that stuff comes back on you sometimes. Said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again. And we know from some of the other gospel writers, he actually cursed. He said, I, I blankety blank blank, I don't even know him. You can fill in the blank. And immediately a rooster crowed. And then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, would we, not have deli- we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. The Jews were under the control of the Romans. To fulfill the word of Jesus which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world. To testify to the truth, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. It's a lot in there, isn't it, that brings us right to this table this morning. Jesus stood before, before Annas, who had been the high priest the year before. He stood before Annas's son-in-law, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. He stood before the Roman governor, Pilate. John doesn't record it, but in Luke's gospel, we know that he also stood before the Jewish puppet king, Herod. And in each and every case, he stood absolutely fearless, absolutely without any fear, because Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he had come to do. We're back to that idea of what we can accomplish without fear. Now, let's, point, let's, 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 let's bring Peter to the forefront again. Peter hangs back. Peter kind of slides back after the whole sword episode and Jesus tells him to put his sword away and they take Jesus away out of the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, he's kind of following but kind of not following. He's staying in the shadows and John is there with him and John knows somebody in there and he gets in the door and he comes back and he gets Peter. So he's in this, inside this inner court where this trial is going to take place. But he's, again, he's just kind of, just kind of back in the shadows Until somebody recognizes, somebody hears his voice, somebody recognizes that Galilean twang. 
He said, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're, you're one of his disciples. I, I am not. I am not. And somebody else, oh yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure you're one of his disciples. I, I'm, not, I'm not his disciple. And then a, a third person, come on. I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw you in the garden. I'm pretty sure you're the guy wielding the sword in the garden. I tell you, I do not know the man. Peter not only denies knowing him, he denies being his disciple, being a follower of Jesus. You see, that's what fear will do. And, you know, I guess what made it worse was Peter is the one, back in in John chapter 13, Peter's the one who stood up and said, bless God, I'll die with you, Jesus. And the implication is, it's like, I'm really not sure about these other guys, Jesus, but but I'll die with you. I'm ready, I'll die with you. That's, that's bold talk, isn't it? That's bold talk. It's like, like, that's like what Ned Pepper s- s- said in True Grit. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. That's bold talk, Peter. When, when it's just you and Jesus and the other disciples around, man, it's easy to be a follower of Jesus. When that's going on, it's another thing to be a follower of Jesus out there with those who perhaps don't share the same views that you do, perhaps don't have the same uh, uh, ideological views or the same moral views or the, or, the, or the same worldview that shapes every other view that you have. Maybe they don't have those same things. It's quite another thing to, to be that person out there that, that you are sometimes. And before I throw Peter too far under the bus, you and I can be guilty of the exact same thing, can't we? Oh, we, we, we come into our, our church gathering. It's so easy to believe in Jesus in here, isn't it? We, we, we sing our songs of devotion. We amen the biblical truths that we hear. And don't get me wrong, we should do all of those things. But what is it like when we go out and we interact with the people that we work with that perhaps don't hold to the same views, don't believe in the same God, that, that think that, that, that you're silly, or, or we go to school and you're scorned or laughed at or whatever. Then, you see, that, that's when, can I just say this to you? It's easy to be a follower of Jesus when it doesn't cost you anything. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, we just have to be honest. At times, it looks pretty bleak. At times, it looks pretty dark. At times, it looks pretty uncertain about what is, what is going to happen. How's this going to turn out? What's going on in my life? Uh, everything's going crazy. And, and I'm saying to you that without fear, we can be who we're called to be. We can be this follower of Jesus out in this world that we're called to. Can I just remind you, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the non-Jew. Here's another saying that you might want to remember. Here it is. Fear will cause you to deny who you are in the shadows. Faith will cause you to declare whose you are in the spotlight. Fear will keep you back there in the shadows. No, I, I don't, I don't, tell me, I don't, I don't, no, that, Jesus, oh, well, my parents make me go to church, so I do, I, oh, I, you know, my, my, my wife expects it, so I, you know, that, that's, that's what fear will do. It will put you back there in the shadows where you will deny, but faith, and I'm telling you, if we uh, individually and corporately as a body will, will, will declare who he is by faith, if we we'll walk by faith, we can declare who he is in the spotlight when, when everybody's looking and, and, and everything and whatever anybody thinks and it doesn't because that's, that's the power of God to work in our hearts and our lives. And let me tell you why that's important. 
Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. Now, th- this, is, this is not a... Uh, it's not necessarily a tit for tat. This is not a, uh, well, if, if you do this, then I'll do that. What, what he's saying here is this, this is the evidence that the faith that a person has is authentic. It's genuine. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father is in, in, in heaven because they are, by their lack of faith, showing that they are not actually uh, have committed or, or is a follower of Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to something different. We're called to something different. Listen, we, we, we have to come to the table. We have to come to the table. But I want to remind you, if, if you're here and you're over, uh, maybe if you're over 40, if you're over 50 for sure, and you happen to have grown up in a, uh, particularly in a Baptist background, then you, you may remember this old hymn. We used to do these things called hymns back in the day. These things called hymns. Back in the day, you may, you may remember this one. Uh, if you do, uh, come on, uh, sing it with me. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Join in if you don't know it. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. Why? From victory unto victory. His army shall he lead Till every foe is vanquished And Christ his Lord indeed Everybody under 20 is like But this this is the call Whether you know the song or don't This is the call to stand up To stand up for Jesus To say yes I'm a follower of Jesus Christ your views may not be the same as mine. You may not believe what I believe, but I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. 1 John chapter 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, throws it out the door, because fear involves punishment, and one who fears is not perfected in love. What would your life be like without fear? How would the situation, how would your family relations, how would your, 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 your marriage, how would, how would your, your situations at work, how, how, how would your life be? Can I tell you one thing that would happen? Worry would go out the door. Because worry is based on fear. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Worry is based on fear. And without fear, now, now I don't know, y'all just tell me. Can you, can you picture what would your life be like if you, if you had no worry? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I know some of y'all. Some of y'all are eat up with fear. Eat up with worry. Perfect love casts out fear. This is who you and I are called to be. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've committed your life to Him, if you're depending totally on His finished work on the cross for your salvation, then you are a child of God. Wear that label proudly. Fear wants to keep us from being a part of God's kingdom advancement into the darkness of this world. But as we heard today, when we walk by faith, trusting in God's power, when we know whose we are and what we're called to do, fear is no match for the children of God. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. 
Cross-culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church. But instead of religion, we're about a relationship. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Find out more at crossculture.church. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.